0: First things, first things. Matthew 6:33, the Lord Jesus himself said, he said, uh, Seek, what? "Seek what? Seek what? Seek what? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. So what are we supposed to do first? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things. Now, if you read up above there, you would see the things that he's talking about are the necessities of life. The necessities of life. So if you want God to provide for you all the necessities of life, what are we supposed to do first? First, we're supposed to to seek him, his kingdom, and his righteousness. Is that right? That's the first thing we're supposed to do before anything else, is seek God. Seek God. The Bible says that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Is that right? So that's the first thing we're supposed to be doing. Before we do anything else, we're supposed to seek Him. Now Proverbs, the uh, 8th chapter, and the 17th verse, I'm going to read this in the King James. Normally I use the New King James, but... Uh, you know, sometimes King James has words, things, a certain, uh, certain way, or Amplified is a good translation, NIV, you know, New Living Translation. You know, I always tell folk when you're studying, read. You know, I usually start out with the King James, then I read the New King James, and I read the Amplified, the NIV, and the New Living Translation. And by the time you read those different versions, you can pretty well get a, get a get a grasp on what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Through His Word, but notice here, in Proverbs eight seventeen in the King James, God says, "I love them that love me." How many of you love Him today? I, I love Him. I love God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I I just I I do. I love. He says, "I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me early." Now, early could we say first? That okay? Those that seek me first seek me early. I don't necessarily think that this is talking about, and you could make argument for it, that you gotta get up at three o'clock in the morning and pray. You know, you can do some good praying at, at midnight. Some folks say, well, you got it, you got it, you gotta. You gotta get up early. Well, I think what this is saying is that when you you get up, whenever that is, the first thing you should do is is begin, your heart needs to begin to seek after the Lord. Whether you get up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever it is, whatever time you get up, first thing that you should do is your heart should begin to inquire of the Lord. You know, you don't have to you don't have to be in a prayer closet with a Bible for your heart to be inquiring of the Lord. Now, now we need to stay in the Word of God. We need, to, we need to stay in the Holy Word of God, all right. But a lot of times folks think that they have to be reading the Word of God for their heart to be inquiring of the Lord. You can be inquiring of the Lord without, without necessarily reading the Bible. But how many of you know you need to read the Bible? First and foremost. Number one way God leads us. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Stay in the word of God all you can. But what I'm trying to say is some people think that unless you're in your closet in in the Bible, your heart can't be after the Lord. You know, let me me, me say it this way. You can be praying all the time. Did you know that? A lot of times people think, well, you have to be down on your knees, you know, with your hands like this. No, I, I pray. I pray when I'm in the shower. I pray when I'm driving in the car. And you know, most of my prayer time, I don't say a word. I'm listening. Isn't prayer a two-way communication? You know, a lot of folks, they don't hear from the Lord because they're doing all the talking. Doesn't God know more than you? So when you're talking, dealing with God, I always do. He gave us two ears, one mouth. I try to do twice as much listening as I do talking. But the point is you don't have to be in a closet with your, down on your knees to be praying. The Bible says pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Your, your heart, you're ever after the Lord, listening to what He said just right on the inside. And He'll always speak to you and lead you right in line with what? The holy written Word of God. But seek me early. What does that mean? That means when you, when you get up and all day long, your heart first and foremost is after Him. Right? Right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. That's why he says, he says, those that seek me early, how many of you want to find him? Then you're going to have to seek him early or seek him first. I like what one preacher said. He said the reason that he seeks God early is so that he doesn't mess up late. That's pretty good, isn't it? Seek God early so you don't mess up late. And then notice in verse 18, riches, honor, riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, my revenue than choice silver. Well, that goes along with what we read Matthew, the sixth chapter, if you'll seek the Lord. I tell you what, if you, if you seek the Lord and you set yourself to seek him, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He'll not only meet your necessities, your daily needs, but he'll make you prosperous. He'll, he'll prosper you to the point that you, you'll have more than enough. And what's more than enough all about? It's all about blessing somebody else, isn't it? Does anybody know we're talking about first things? Does anybody know what the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. So the first commandment says to keep God first. Do you ever think about that? The first commandment is to keep God first. And, uh, you know, actually, you can test yourself as to whether or, or not you're keeping God first by observing how you treat His house and His work. A self-test. How many of you in school, you'd take a self-test? I used to be a math teacher, so in the books or, you know, textbook, there'd sometimes be a self-test. I always like doing those self-tests because it would get you ready for the real test. So, so, So the way you can test yourself to see if you're keeping God first is to observe how you treat His house and how you treat His work. Now, in Acts, the 20th chapter in the 7th verse, Acts, the 20th chapter in the 7th verse. Turn there, if you would. It'll be on the screen. New King James Version here. It says, Now, on the first day of the week. Does anybody know what the first day of the week is? Sunday. It's Sunday, isn't it? A lot of people think it's Monday, but that may be the first day of the work week, but the first day of the week is what? It's Sunday, isn't it? Is this the first day of the week? It's the first day of the week. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, the Apostle Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Well, I'm not going to preach that long. I assure you that. The first day of the week The early church, some two thousand years ago, as it as it as it began and the day of Pentecost and so forth, the disciples and the the Christians would get together and they would meet on the first day of the week. So think about it like this on the first day, Sunday, what should we do? The first thing on the first day, we ought to get up and come to the house of God. Is that right? Is, Is that right? Uh, There's just something about the first day of the week. First thing you do on the first day of the week is get up and come to the house of God and worship Him. Did you know this nation is moving away from that? And isn't only moving away, has moved away. Did you know in this nation, United States of America, and I'm so glad to be a citizen. How about you? So, wonderful nation, but the nation is moving and has moved away, by and large, from the Lord. Did you ever notice when I, I'm 56 years old, I know I don't look a day over, over 30. But when I was a kid growing up, Sundays, everything in the, in, in the community, the stores and everything, it was deader than a doornail out there as far as you couldn't go buy. Are you kidding me? Go shop on Sunday? Everything was closed. Why was it closed? It was closed in honor of the Lord. It was the Lord's day. But do you ever notice now in this nation, Sunday is no different than Saturday, is it? That's not good, is it? And then, and this is not to be critical at all, this is just an observation. If you'll notice a lot of the churches in the land, do you ever notice there'll be a Saturday night service? Now, I'm not necessarily knocking that but I'm just saying the first day of the week is Sunday and what I've noticed in that a lot of times is folks will do a Saturday night service because they've got other things to do on Sunday morning and, and what I've seen in this nation is that you get up on uh, Sunday morning, you ought to be bringing your children to the house of God huh? but now in this nation, uh, parents are taking their children to every kind of this this activity that activity this thing that thing, soccer football cheerleading practice. How many of you know that's not more important than, than coming to the house of God? You're teaching your children that God isn't first. He, you just fit him in wherever else you can. So we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go Saturday night so we can to church so we can do what we want to do on Sunday morning. Now you know I don't want to be critical there, but do you see that's happened in this nation? And I just, I just personally think that... And again, I'm not knocking a Saturday night service. So sometimes there's reasons for that. But I just think that... I learned a long time ago. If you, want, if, you, if you want to walk in the blessing of God, you set your schedule up around Him and His work. You don't just fit Him in wherever you can fit Him in. Do you hear what I just said? If you really want to walk in the blessing of God... And, 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 and have the Lord bless you You set your schedule up around him And you seek him first And put him first And his work and what he's interested in You put him first And I tell you what He will go out of his way to bless you And not only meet your necessities But he will prosper you And run you over Can you say amen, amen. So don't just fit God in where, where you can fit him in Put him first And uh, you'll be glad you did now notice here in the book of Haggai. Let's go to the Old Testament here. And uh, uh, in Haggai, of course, Proverbs was in the Old Testament. But let's go to Haggai. Now, uh, if you can't find it in your Bible, uh, you can look in the book of, in the index. You know, That's not a book we turn to often. But he was a prophet in the Old Testament. You can go to your table of contents and it will help you. Otherwise, it will be up on the screen. And I'm going to read some verses here, several verses. How many of you know it's a, good, it's a good thing to read the Bible in church? Is that right? So that I do that around here. Haggai, chapter 1, verse 3, New Living Translation. I'm going to read several verses. And uh, let's see if these people are putting God first or not. Because you can tell whether or not, give yourself a a test. You can see whether or not you're keeping God first by the way you treat his house and his work. So let's read here. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I've called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Is that the Bible? That's the Bible. Now, why was God doing this? The Bible says, consider the goodness and the severity of the Lord. Now, around here, I I emphasize the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. But there is a judgmental side to God. You need to understand that. I I heard one preacher say one time, I only preach the happy Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is happy, isn't he? But you know, there is a a, a austere side to the Lord also, isn't there? Just like you. Are you happy all the time? No, you get angry sometimes, don't you? Well, the Lord, we're created in His likeness and His image. God is full of joy, but there's also a judgmental side to Him. I want to stay on His good side. How about you? Now, these people here, what were they not doing? They were not keeping God's house first. Now, see, God was not against them having luxurious homes. God was not against them being blessed. God was not against them being prosperous. The Bible says that God takes pleasure at the prosperity of His servant. God wants to bless people. He wants to bless His children. He wants to have His children to be in abundance and all of that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But what was hindering these people from getting there? It was that they were not honoring God's house. They were not keeping God's house first. They were interested in their own things, building their own deal, doing their own, you know, their own thing, getting their own houses, their own luxurious things, and then we'll just slip God, we'll just tip God here a little bit, we'll just slip him, hit him in here, maybe a little bit over here, or whatever. And you see, God didn't bless that, did he? What must we do? We must keep God first. And then, of course, a lot of people will say, Well, I keep God first. How are you treating His house? How are you treating His work? You know, a lot of times Christians will say, I love you, Lord Jesus. But you know there's a verse in there that that I always think about when I say to the Lord, I love you, Lord. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, God Almighty in the flesh, he said this. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So somebody, a Christian that says, well, I love you, Lord. If you're not keeping his commandments, you know, actions speak louder than words. Is that right? So you can tell him you love him all day long and all night long, but if you're not doing everything you know to do to keep his commandments, that proves you don't really love him as you should. Is that right? Yes. Now, you know as well as I do, you can't keep the commandments and get saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Is that right? But once a Christian is saved through, by grace through faith, I tell you what, if you really love the Lord, you're going to do what? You're going to keep his commandments. And if you're going to keep God first in your life... How does that manifest? How do do you prove that? You prove that by the way you treat His work. Right? Like my wife. I love my wife. And if all I ever did was tell her I love her but I never did anything to, to bless her or honor her, I never bought her any clothes, you know, she always wore clothes from, you know, 20 years ago and it had holes in it and all of that. Now I can tell her I love her all I want. But if I don't show that, do I really love her? No. And so the same thing is true. Uh, Like, for example, if if you came over to my house and you came in my house and you had dirty, dirty feet, you know, muddy feet, and you just walked in there, how many of you would just come into my house with muddy feet and just come in there and just walk all over the place? Now, if you did that, you would not... Have any respect for me? Is that right? If you came in there with muddy feet and you started to walk on the carpet, of course, my wife would hit you with the broomstick before you ever. No, I'm, 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 I'm come on now, guys, I'm just teasing. She wouldn't use a broomstick, she'd use a shovel. I'm done. I'm, no. I'm just teasing. But you know, if you know, you wouldn't just come in there and just, you know, sit down and Put your feet up on the, you know, on the on the, would you, on the on the on the on the table or whatnot? Say and say to me, hey Buster, bring me a soda. I mean, you wouldn't do that, would you? So you would you would show how much you respected me by the way you would treat my house. I mean, right? I mean, that's a, that's an example. So how do you treat the house of God? That's a good self-test for you, you know, for all of us. Oh, here's another verse. Let's go on here. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Let's look at this one. It says this, Honor the Lord with all your possessions and with the first fruits of all your, what, increase. Now now why is God just trying to get your money is he just trying to get stuff off of you is that I mean he, last time I looked he's doing just fine without without anything I could give him is that right I mean he's 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 streets of gold and all that he's doing just fine there in heaven is that right But why would the Bible say honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so he could bless you. Look at verse 10. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's that's blessing. See that's why God wants us to honor Him. It is, it is, it is Of course he, he takes great pleasure in that and worshiping Him, but you know, if we'll do that, he, He'll bless us back. Just keeping Him first. The Bible says the first fruits. That just means the first and the best. Now in the old covenant, it was an, it was an agricultural society, and, and, and as they, they would bring the, first, the firstlings of their flocks and so forth and so on, you, you, don't, you don't see the first fruits in the new covenant like you do in the old. So, so how would that translate to the new covenant? Uh, you bring the first and the best that you have to the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Not, 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 not to a preacher, but to the Lord. Right? See, see if if you're if you're giving, if you if your motivation ever comes gets where well it's between me and Pastor Terry or me and Pastor so and so there's something wrong there. What you if you if you ever give a penny to this church with well I just want to bless Pastor Terry, the, the, the motive's wrong. You're better off to keep it. Did you hear me? I don't want you giving in in here if that's a motive. I want your motive to be I'm going to support this because this is a work of God and and I'm doing this as unto the Lord. See, now that's a whole different deal. I've never one time in uh, 25 plus years, I've never twisted one. Now, now I've done some things wrong. I've I've messed up in some. You know, how many is perfect? Anybody here perfect? Anybody perfect? Have you ever messed up? But I've never twisted, I've never done one thing to twist one penny out of one person. Have I ever talked to anybody in here about your tithing or giving? Have I ever said a word? And I never will. I'll put a chain on that door out there and shut this place down before I do that. By the way, see, you're not supporting this. God is. And if you don't cooperate, then he'll use somebody else. Is that right? Now that sounds kind of hard, but that's just the way that it is. And isn't that real good? Because I don't look to you as the source; God's the source. Now I'm thankful for you. I'm, I, 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 you know, also that's good too. Because you see, if if that's the way you run things, you don't then you can't have a couple of rich people take over the church and run it the way they want. Can you say Amen? Yes. So your giving needs to be as unto the Lord. I'm coming to the house of God, and I'm going to present this. Uh, you know, it's going to be under the Lord. Now, also too, we'll get into this in just a second. You don't want to be a tipper, say amen. amen. You want to be a tither and a giver. Generous towards the things of God. How many of you want God to be generous to you? Well, then you need to be generous to Him. The Bible says, Give and it'll be given unto you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Didn't Jesus say that? But as you study the New, the new Covenant, New Testament, and you see it in the Old Old Testament too. Uh, it, it's the heart that's the, that's the thing. And and you bring. As you're increased by God, then you come and you bring the first fruits. How, first fruits, what does that mean? I believe that that that's the first and the best that you have. You bring and present it unto the Lord. And you do it cheerfully. Real loud say cheerfully. Cheerful. The Bible said God loves a what? A cheerful, cheerful. giver. Right? And, and if we'll if we we'll bring the first and the best we have unto the Lord, then he'll he'll fill us up and run us over. You know, it's interesting. How many even you know uh, what's that big city that that Joshua, after Moses died and Joshua took over, what's that that first big city that they conquered? Is it Jericho. And remember what God said. He said of the of the treasuries of Jericho, all of it. Somebody say all of it. All of that first one went into the treasuries of the Lord. And then after that, God said that all those other cities, the people could have that. But the first went to the Lord. Now remember there was a man named Achan, remember that? And he went in, and he he stole some stuff, he took what, what, what belonged to God, and he took it. How many remembers that? And do you remember that, that Israel, they, they won that great battle against Jericho? But then because Achan... Took, he just, it, well it was just a, really it was just a little bit that he took I don't matter a little or a lot if it's God's it's God's is that right and he took Achan stole some of what was the Lord's and did you know when, when, when that next city when, when the Israelites went up and jo- Joshua went up against that next city it was called Ai when they went up against that next city they suffered a terrible defeat Now how could you have such a great victory over such a big city and then lose such a little bitty battle? Because the people, Achan, took something that belonged to God. Uh, The book of Malachi, we'll turn there in just a second, but the book of Malachi, God asks the question of man. He says, will a man rob God? And the people say, how are we going to rob God? And God answers back and says, in tithes and Offerings. Did you know you can be a thief? You can steal from God. Did you know that by touching the tithes and the offerings? Um, you know you see tithing in the Garden of Eden. All the other trees you can you can eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Don't don't eat of it. Right? Don't eat of it. And if you don't touch it, you're not going to eat of it. But he said, "Don't eat of it." And then you see tithing all throughout. You see, Abraham was a tither before the law of Moses. And then in the law of Moses, of course, we have tithing. Nobody argues with that. You come down in the ministry of Jesus, he was a tither. How many of you know Jesus was a tither? How do we know that? I'll prove it to you. Because he said, He said to the religious people, He said, You tithe on on, on all this little stuff here, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, like love and justice and mercy. How many of you know there's weightier matters than tithing? Yes. yes, there are. But Jesus said you should have done these weightier things, but he said you shouldn't have left the tithing undone. So that proves to me that Jesus is either a hypocrite or he's a tither because he told somebody else to tithe. Now how many of you know he's not a hypocrite? So he's a tither, is that Right? And, and, and then you come down, you know, after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see in the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about how that when people come to the house of God, they bring the tithes to the house of God. Book of Hebrews brings this out. brings Bring the tithes to the house of God, and the Bible says, "Here, men that die receive tithe but there He receives them." So you bring the tithes to the house of God. To the to the house of God, present it, and then and then and then. Something happens in the spirit realm, but, but, but actually as, 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 as the ministers, we receive the tithes and offerings here, but there in heaven, spiritually, Jesus takes your tithe, and I don't know how all this works, but the book of Hebrews brings it out. He takes your tithe, and he presents it before God Almighty. You can read that in the book of Hebrews. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's important to be a tither. God never has changed that. And, and, and somebody said, "Well, do, 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 you know, do, we're under the new covenant. We're going to talk about the covenant. I, I told you that. So we go here in the end of the new year." Said, so do, "Do we do we have to? We're not under the old covenant. Do we have to tithe under the new covenant?" And here's my answer: Would God ask you to do less under 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 this than He asked Him to do under the old? Absolutely not. So actually you get into that, you study into the tithing under the new covenant, actually it, it's, it's, would God ask you to do less under something that's better? And When I start talking like that with people, people get real happy about the 10%, don't they? I seldom talk about money around here, but once in a while it needs to be talked about. I really do you a disservice because I hardly ever bring it up. But you see tithing all throughout, all throughout the Bible. It's a, principle, it's a spiritual principle. You bring your first and your best and a tithe is 10%. But you can give more than that. I like what one guy said. to tithe is 10% and then anything beyond the tithe becomes an offering. I like what one minister said is real good. He said the tithe is marked as a blessing or a curse. You're either going to tithe and be blessed or you're going to keep it. And 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 if you keep that tithe, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna actually what you do, it's not so much of God's trying to beat you over the head. He's a good God. Say Amen. But what happens is you move out under you move out from underneath His umbrella of blessing, and then you're out there where the devil can get shots at you. I don't want the devil to get shots at me. How about you? So let's be tithers. Let's just obey the Word of God. What do you say? Are you okay? So that first city belonged to, to God, Jericho, the other, the other ones, he said you can have it. That, that first 10% belongs to God, the rest of the 90, do what you want with it. I always tell people, save a good amount, pay your bills, tie, save, pay your bills. That's a good deal, isn't it? How many of you would rather have a blessed 90% percent than a cursed 100 A lot of Old Testament scriptures today, but that's all right. I spend most of the time in the New Covenant, New Testament, but but we we need to understand the Old Testament too. Look at Genesis 4 real quick. There was Adam and then Eve, right? We're going to look at that when we get into the Bible study on Genesis on Wednesday evenings. And they had two sons. They were twins, Cain and Abel. Did you know the first murder was over an offering? Do you ever think about that? And it was really when you got right down to it, it was because the it was because Cain's offering was inferior to Abel's. Abel's heart was right towards God. He was a person that sought God early. He was a person that was a cheerful giver. Look at this, Genesis 4, verse 3. And in the and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the what? The what? Is that up there? The what? The firstborn of his flock, and their fat. That means the best. What did Abel do that Cain didn't? Abel brought the what? The first and the best. And Cain just, he brought an offering of the, of the ground. And there's as much we could say about all this, but when you boil it right down, Abel brought the first and the best that he had to God. How many of you know the book of Hebrews says that, 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 that Abel's offering, uh, uh, it was pleasing to God because he did it with faith. How many of you know it takes faith to give the first and the best? It takes no faith to pull out, you know, for most people, it takes no faith to pull out a penny and flip it in the offering. But it it takes faith to bring your first and your best to the Lord. And in verse 5, the Bible says that God did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry. His countenance fell. And he went on and he killed his brother over it, didn't he? Now, hey, look at this. I'm not going to go too much longer, but here, go to Malachi 1. Go to Malachi 1 real quickly, and this is, this is just fascinating to me. Usually in Malachi, we talk about the tithe. But, but look here, let's read several verses. This, this is fascinating to me. Look at how the people, what they brought to the Lord. Watch this. Malachi 1, verse 6, New Living Translation. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? This is God talking. You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, How have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, How have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying, The altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, think about that. They were given their junk to God. He says, Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Think about what these people were doing. They were giving their junk to God. Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should we show you? Why should He show you any favor at all? asks the Lord. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors. So that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. Think about what God just said. Shut the church down. I don't, want, I, I, I don't want to look at the junk these people are bringing me. I don't want to be in that group. Do you? I like what David said. Remember David, King David? He said, I'll not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. You wonder why he was so blessed. Look at verse 10 here. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord, and I will not respect your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord. But you dishonor my... This is his people. Now, you dishonor my name with your actions. With your what? With your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say... It's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord. Think of it, animals that are stolen, (laughs) Think think about what these people are doing. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord, and my name is feared among the nations. Why did I read all that? You see, you show whether or not you respect God by the way you treat the offering and what you bring to him. Now, these people brought animals. In our society, it's, uh, it's finances and other things, our time, our volunteer time that we volunteer and so forth. It's not just money. I don't suppose there's anything that so represents a person as as their as their checkbook or their wallet. It's a true statement. If you want to see where your heart really is, go look at your checkbook or your credit card statement, and see where the money's going right? That's true for all of us. Jesus said, where you where you put your treasure, that is where your heart is also. It's true of all of us, isn't it? And again, I want to tell you, if you're visiting, visiting today, I, I normally don't talk about these, these, these issues. Because I don't want to be grouped with the preachers that try to twist your arm for money. We're doing fine. Do you know this place is paid off? Did you know all the needs are met? And abundantly so. Every, I mean, we were supposed to pay this place off in 20 years. We did it in seven As a minister of the gospel, I've never laid my head on a pillow at night to go to sleep worrying about money. There's always been an abundant supply. Isn't that wonderful? So I'm not trying to get your money. I am trying to tell you this is good ground to sow into, that's for sure. And you know, I shouldn't apologize for teaching the Word of God. This is what the Word says. First Kings 17, just two more ter- passages, then we'll close. First Kings 17, I find this fascinating. Ever, anybody ever hear of Elijah? First Kings 17, uh, verse 9, God says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, that's an unlikely source, to have a widow. And we'll see she was basically broke and destitute and God's going to supply for the profit of God through this widow. You know God can use any source he wants to, is that right? Because there was a there was a famine in the land, there's been a drought in the land when this is taking place. And Elijah's been by the brook and now he goes over to this widow's house verse 10 he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks and called her and he called her and said, "Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink." And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand." So he said, she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little, jar, a little oil in a jar, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. <laughs> well, how would you th- feel if you were Elijah and you went over there and this lady is going to provide for you? And this is her attitude. And so Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as as you have said, but make me a small cake from it what? From it, huh? From it what? Now she doesn't have enough for her son, much less herself. And now she's going to give this to some man that she just now met. But this wasn't just any man, it was a man that represented God. First, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the a jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and, and he and her household ate for many days. That actually is up to about a year, years, six months to a year, I think, that they ate on that. Think about that. Benef- the flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. You need to keep God where? Verse. And we'll close in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. And of all that I've read today, what we're going to read and close here with is probably without, uh, without question the most important. There's no question about it. Revelation 2 verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, and actually this angel was a messenger, was really the pastor that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, and the Lord Jesus was sending a message to this church uh, uh, through the apostle John, and he's writing to this church, and he says to the pastor, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things says he, because you wouldn't write a letter to an angel, he's writing to a man here, a pastor. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Those were the, 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 the preachers, if I'm not mistaken. The pastors of those seven churches there. Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Those were the churches. I know your works. Did you know God knows your works? Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those that are evil. And, and have, you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake. And have not become weary. Did you know Jesus will always point out the good things first? Absolutely. That's just who he is. He's, he, he's, he, he, he's looking for, he, 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 he's, he, he's an uh, encourager, he's a complimenter, Jesus is. You know, he's really good. Did you know that? But then, see, now we can't stop in verse 3. Nevertheless, verse 4, I have this against you. You have left your. Now they had a whole lot of good stuff going on, but they left their first love. Who's our first love? God, the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? And this church, if you study it out, they they had so much good going on. The teaching of the word of God was pure in in that church, and, and, and a lot of good stuff. But you know, you can get so busy working for God and doing things for God that you can you can really lose your closeness with Him. I know I've done that, and I've had to repent. He said, you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the... Isn't it good we can repent? And if, if, we, if we've left, let God get to second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth on the list, we can hear a message like this, we can repent and, 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 and put him first again. Is that right? Absolutely. He's looking for us to repent. That's to have a heart change, you know. Remember from where you fall and repent. Do the what? Do the first works. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Now that lampstand was the church. What he was really saying in our language was you need to get this right or I'm going to come close that church down. And did you know they repented for a time if you study into this but some hundred years later they didn't ultimately repent and he went and shut that church down. Did you know that a a real church called of God will be opened by God and it can also be closed by God. But he says unless you repent. He doesn't want to close churches down. He wants people to repent and get with the the program. Can you say amen? amen? Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads. Just have a brief just a minute or two of prayer and then we'll dismiss. If you're here today, first of all, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, you've never repented of your sins and you've never asked the Lord to, you've never received him into your life, into your heart. I want to invite you to do that today when we dismiss in just minutes from now. All you got to do is walk up here to the front. There'll be some nice people up here and just say, hey, introduce me to Jesus. And they'll pray with you, and in a moment's time, Jesus will come into your heart. You get born again.